beautiful friends. Welcome to the Arise to Life podcast, where we share real and raw conversations about our sometimes crazy, but always beautiful kind of lives. I'm Madison. Hey, it's Jill. It's me, Sarah. And hey, it's Ashlyn. And we are so excited that you're joining us today. Our desire is to encourage every girl in every season to arise to the abundant life that is waiting for her. Whether you're wrestling your toddlers or having a cup of coffee, we're here to come alongside of you and share the ups and downs of our faith, friendship, and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11. We are starting a series on true worth, and let me tell you, I have been waiting for this topic. Everybody knows I've been waiting, and so that's why we're doing a series. I would talk way too long if I only got one episode for it, but first, before we get into this topic, Ashlyn, do you have an icebreaker for us? Yes, I do. So, if you could pick a superpower, what would it be and why? Mine would be flying, because then I could go wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and I'd be, like, in the Bahamas right now. And you'd get there fast. I would get there fast. I don't like flying. Go down there and get a tan real quick and come back. Can you carry us? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you fly, can you carry us? I don't have super strength. I only picked flying. What if I pick super strength? Perfect. You fly, and I'll have super strength and hold on to Madison and Sarah, and we'll go to the Bahamas. All right. You only have to hold her. It's a deal. Okay, I would pick super strength, I think. Super strength or being invisible. I don't know. I can't really decide. Madison said I would pick invisible because I was nosy. Right. I think so. And I would pick uh, reading people's minds because I can be a little nosy sometimes. That's a bad one, Madison. Oh, Because then you hear what everybody thinks of you. I mean, could you imagine if she knew what everybody was thinking about her? (laughs) (laughs) We'd have to take a lot of thoughts captive. (laughs) Okay, this is true worth. You guys. <laughs> Sarah, nice. what superpower? Um, that I could be at multiple places at one time. That's also because you're nosy. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's, that's because she has a really good work ethic and she wants to work really hard. Thanks, oh. Ash. That's my Marv. Yep. That's exactly. We'll just multiply this around all over here. Working. I'm the only not nosy one, apparently. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. So... Today, we just have a couple questions that I kind of want to cover for this first part of the True Worth series. And so I want to dive into where is your worth and what is your worth? And I know that as I say, number one, where is your worth? All of you probably know the right answer to that question. Everybody listening probably knows where your worth is supposed to be and you know the right answer. But today we're really looking, we're going to try to get to the bottom of what is the true answer? Because we can say all day long that we know where our worth is, but if we don't really believe it and we don't really live like it, then that's where we start to struggle. So I think that the way we operate in our life tells a whole lot about where our worth is. And so my first question to you guys is, can you think of anything in your life that was a sign like that you can look back and say, man, when I, when I went through this or experienced this or struggled with this, it was a sign that my identity was probably, my worth was probably not in the right place. I can think of one of past and also one I would say maybe present that where the enemy kind of continues to maybe attack me at. And so I used to find my worth in my children. And if you know my testimony about the mothering journey that I've been on with Jackson, I placed my joy and my attitude fluctuated with whether or not he was behaving or if he had a good day. I would go to bed at night like one thinking I was a horrible mom or that I was failing. And so 
when when you're placing your worth in something like that that changes so often I think that's a sign whenever your joy and your attitude is like going up and down that your worth is not placed in the right spot and so being able to go to sleep at night now um, even if Jackson did have a bad day knowing that I'm not a failure as a mom because my true worth is placed in the Lord now it's not placed in the good behaviors that my kids have and so that would be one I think that I've walked through and the Lord's shown me that yeah that's good and you know right now you know you're dealing with Jackson getting in trouble at school but like there are a lot of parents who are dealing with their parent kids being out in the drug world mm-hmm. and I would imagine if you're walking through something like that and your worth is in your children then that's a really dark mm-hmm. place to be yeah you yeah. know yeah mine would probably be and I mean there's been a lot of them but one that just recently came back up with was rejection and I never thought that I struggled with that. I mean, my family was amazing. I grew up in an amazing home. I never felt rejected by them. But then when I started dating JD, who's my husband now, we broke up. Well, he broke up with me like three different times. And so for the longest time, like, like we would play it off and joke and it was fine. And it was all these things. And then I realized like just a month or so ago that I was being rejected by these different people now. So then I, like, it's like I was going through, like, one whole week, it was, it was terrible. And then it hit me that it stemmed from that rejection that I felt when we were dating. And so for the longest time, I had put my self-worth in him because if I, in my mind, if I looked a certain way, act a certain way, I did all these things and was perfect, then he would, wouldn't break up with me again or what, everything would be fine. And it was never like that. Like, looking back now, it's like, that's silly because he doesn't literally doesn't care and but realizing that that's where it stemmed from it like it's I had to have a hard conversation with him like hey like this is how this made me feel and I'm just now realizing it and so I need you to be more intentional with these things and so it I feel like the Lord is like bringing things up from my past to help refine me for my future so but that's when I'm still kind of walking through that's good and that's a big one when we put our worth in our spouse not only do we suffer in the idea of like a misplaced worth, but our marriage suffers because when we're trying to have our spouse define us, it's like, too much pressure. It mm-hmm. is. And it's never going to work. You know, mm-hmm. that's not what his role was ever supposed mm-hmm. to be. And so, yeah, he can be someone who speaks life into you and encourages you. But if you are going to base how you feel about yourself on what he thinks of you, it's going to put a lot of strain on your marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say fear of failure, and it keeps me a lot of times from stepping out. And I would say I would relate to that to, like, position in your workplace. Um, so if you're in a position in your workplace where you feel like you're not worked to your potential, then you're missing the opportunities that the Lord is giving you where you're at. And I catch myself doing that a lot, and I'll be like, I mean, what am I doing? Like, I have so many people around me. What I want to do is minister, but I have so many people around me that I need to be ministering to. And I miss it if I'm putting my worth in that. And so the Lord checks me on that quite frequently, really. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And also, like, when we are stepping out into the calling that God has for us, it's always going to be bigger than we are, right? And if I'm putting my worth in whether or not I fail and I look at the thing in front of me and it's bigger than I am, I almost immediately am going to feel like I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm never going to step out because what if I fail? And that can, that fear of failure can keep us stuck in a place where we're not stepping out in what God has for us. So mine, I'm just going to talk about, I think, something that a lot of women deal with, and that's like the constant yo-yo dieting. Like I, I spent 
I mean, I would say 15 years of my life on a diet, you know, and never like you'd I'd make progress and then, you know, slip back and I would do really good all week, um, really counting my calories and doing perfect. And then over the weekend, I would binge eat, you know, and, and gain all those calories back. And so it's like you're in this constant state of dieting, yet you never actually lose any weight because you're just going back and forth and you're yo-yoing and it's really frustrating. I, whenever my worth, like it's, that's a sign that my worth is in the shape of my body and how much I weigh. Mm. And when my worth is in that, then eating something that wasn't on my diet plan is going to cause shame inside of me because all of a sudden I screwed up and not in a small way, not in a, I ate an Oreo way, but I'm a failure Mm. because my worth is in how much I weigh and I just ate an Oreo and now I'm going to gain five pounds. And so that leads you into this like area of dysfunction. And it's almost like this rabbit hole of neglect, obsession, neglect, obsession. And you're just like shame, failure, shame, failure. It's really hard to get out of. But, you know, a couple more is when the number on the scale, you get on the scale and you weigh yourself and that number determines whether or not you're going to have a good day. Mm. If it's up, you're having a bad day. If it's down, you're having a good day. Um, That's a sign that your worth is in how much you weigh. Can't leave the house without makeup or you can't post a picture without a filter on it. Your worth might be tied up in how you look. Now that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you walking in a victim mentality where you believe that bad things are always going to happen to you? No matter what you do, something bad is always going to happen. Then that might be a sign that your worth is in the fact that you've been hurt and it's not placed in the right thing. Those are some, you know, red flags that, you know, if if the, some of those things are things that you're experiencing, then it's a sign that maybe you know the right answer, but it's not the true answer, and maybe your worth is misplaced a little bit. I think if yeah. we're all being honest, we've all went through some every one of those really that list yeah. that you just said. So we should be doing an inventory, a constant inventory. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely agree. A daily inventory, like these are things that we're all going to have to be intentional about. We're all going to struggle in this area and we're going to have to stay intentional. Like I really feel like, especially with women, there's so much value in our beauty and Mm -hmm. us understanding our beauty. And it's not in the way we look. The scripture says that our beauty is in our gentle and quiet spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that there's so much value in us understanding our beauty means that the enemy is going to attack that aspect of our lives. And he's going to try to make us not walk in it, right? So in that, like, where is our worth? Where is our worth supposed to be? It's not in those things that we just talked about. So where is it supposed to be? In Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, when we give our heart to the Lord, the blood of Jesus covers us and it makes us, turns us into a whole new creation, right? Yeah, I agree. It's the redeeming power of the blood. My mom, not too long ago, was, the last day to be, was talking about how she told a lady she had talked to, she said, you need to start praying his blood, like thanking him for his blood. And that lady was like, why? And my mom's because, like, my mom was like, because that's what redeemed you. Mm-hmm. And then I never, when we started talking about this, like, I mean, you've heard about the blood for a long time, but like to really study that and what it did is insane, really. Like, and how important it really is and how much, like, what the blood actually means, right? Yeah, I want to read a scripture, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. This is the message version. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. 
We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and he set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Mm-hmm. And I just, man, it's just such a beautiful picture. He came to our old stagnant life of sin and he picked us up and he seated us beside him. And so, you know, in our own, in our flesh, before we accepted the blood of Jesus into our lives. We were in a stagnant life of sin, and we had a separation between us and God. And as soon as we accepted him into our hearts, as soon as we professed his name, the blood covers us, and it makes us an entirely new creation. Now we're blameless before him. Now we are in company with Jesus, our Messiah. And it's just incredible. It really is. Yeah, I I literally have that written, that it paints literally the perfect picture of how God pursues us and saves us in spite of our sin. Mm -hmm. So we aren't born without sin, and that's why God chose to save us, because we're perfect. Um, He chose with our mess to save us and make us clean. And I, I think in my, in this, I noted it down here that it reminded me of religion and relationship came to my mind in that moment because religion says, clean up your mess and come to me. And relationship with Jesus says, come to me with your mess and I'll make you clean. And like that picture was just painted as I read that verse today and um, you said it. And yeah. so it's perfect. It makes me think of Romans 5, 8, where he says, while I was still a sinner, he died for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you guys know me. You know my heart now. So, like, if someone came in shooting, you would likely take a bullet for for us. One of us would take a bullet for each other because you know me now. But he died for the Mm -hmm. drug addict, hurtful, you know, stealing, robbing Sarah that was then. He died on the cross thinking of even that girl. Yeah. You know? And that, like, that's that's love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I remember a moment in my life that like really changed so much about how I operated. And I spent a lot of my life trying to be everything for everybody because I found a lot of my worth in what I would do. I shared a little bit about it in my testimony and my testimony is all about true worth. So like you can go listen to that for more of my story. But I spent a lot of my life feeling like I needed to do things to measure up and so I was trying to be everything for everybody, and that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I think we've all been there. Like, we want to do everything our kids need and make our husband happy and make everybody happy. And so we just keep saying yes, 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 even though we know that we can't and we know we're stretching ourselves too thin. Um, and so it can be really exhausting and overwhelming. But I got to this point where I was just like, I feel like I'm not enough. And I was just crying out to the Lord. And it was that moment when I realized that I have this simultaneous thing going on where I'm absolutely not enough and was never meant to be enough and at the same exact time I'm more than enough and it was like whenever I first heard those words Jill you're not enough you're not enough to do everything for everybody it broke my heart because that's what I felt like I needed to be but then whenever I saw this other side of it that because Jesus is inside of me because I have the Holy Spirit I'm more than enough it just took all this pressure yeah. off of me. Like because, a weight lifted. Yeah, yeah, it's not that I have to do all these things to be enough. It's mm-hmm. that I'm just enough, right? Yeah. And so I won't ever be everything I have, like everything my kids need. But if I was, they wouldn't need Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't want to be everything to my kids or to my husband because then they don't see their need for Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. But it took such a weight off of me to realize, like, 
I don't have to be enough. Mm-hmm. I already am enough. And it's, yeah, that's good. And I love how he doesn't label us like what we label ourselves as. So I might label myself as what my job is or what I did in my past or I don't know, whatever. You put your thing in there, what you label yourself as. But he calls us daughter. And so whenever you think, if I think about my two girls, like my role as their parent is to protect them, for them to come to me and they feel safe. They feel like they can just trust me with anything. And that's why he, I think that's why he calls us daughter. That's why he paints the picture of parenthood for us because how much we love our kids, he loves us that much more. And so he wants us to come to him and just come to him like a daughter. Can I share something, a verse that I found when I was studying on the blood? Um, I came across Hebrews 12, 24, um, and it is to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And I was just like, what, when I read that? And so then I went to, you know, if you don't know the story of Cain and Abel, I went back and I read it. And some of you might not know it, but Cain um, killed his brother Abel. And when he did, the Lord spoke to Cain, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. So what that told me was that his blood, as he, as Jesus shed his blood for us, that it was crying out mm. for us. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. And if you think... Abel's was probably crying out for vengeance and harm and um, pain because his brother just killed us. But it's very specific when it says his better word. So Jesus, his blood is crying out redemption and forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. And when you really think about that, you're like, I mean, his blood even Mm -hmm. speaks on my behalf. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just it. It blew my mind when I was reading that. And when it also says covenant, that's binding. Like Mm -hmm. he made a binding covenant with us when he shed his blood. And even today, I mean, that says even today, according to the word, Jesus' blood speaks something for us. Uh, So I'm just going to kind of move into the where is my worth? It's in the blood of Jesus. It's in the blood of Jesus that covers us and makes us new, right? Mm -hmm. And now I want to go into what is my worth. And I just want to point out here that like, When the blood covers us, we have a whole new identity and we're forgiven and we're redeemed and we're a saint, pure, blameless. But even before we were covered by his blood, we were worth the cross to him. And so we may not have been pure and blameless, but he still looked at us and said, I want to die for you. And I just think that that is the most incredible thing. Well, I think Ashlyn touched on it, and it was just like, I didn't earn this type of love. The world tries to tell us that we have to earn love, and we have to get to a certain standard before we can accept love or before we should give love. But there's nothing I did in my previous life that earned me earned me the type of love and mercy and grace I have today. There's nothing. You know, I remember sitting in, um, in A groups and hearing them say, well, I've earned my seat here, and it, I was like, there ain't nothing I did that earned my seat here you know so I didn't earn my seat here at this table today that's his love Mm -hmm. you know yeah today as I was just kind of like thinking about this topic and this session that you were going to do I was praying and God brought something to my mind that he really wanted me to share and I was going through my season of depression that I've talked a little bit about and I was just feeling really down. I was feeling like a failure. And I had this whole thing written out about, essentially it was just rejection of myself. Just like, I don't ever do any, like I was just listing all of these failures in my life and 
and I cried out to God and in that when I cried out to him he spoke into me and I want to read to you what he spoke into me because I believe that as I was thinking it today thinking of it today he said that this is something he wants to speak over some of you he said Jill and I want you to insert your name into that I love you and your failure the same as I do in your victory I love you the same when you lose your temper and yell as I do when you are praying and worshiping me just because you are struggling to remember who you are doesn't mean that I am you are my daughter and that will never change. I love you and that will never change. I choose you and that will never change. I need you to really feel this. I love you unconditionally, irrevocably, no matter what. I love you. Let it sink so deep into your heart and just rest in my love. I need you to feel this love when you are performing at your worst because it is producing something in you that your best never could. Mm. That's and so good. Yeah, it was just amazing because when he spoke it to me, I was performing at my worst. I wasn't really doing much of anything. And, you know, when we're doing really good, we like to believe that God, you know, just loves us a little more. <laughs> and it's not the case. Yeah. He loves us just the same. Like if you're today, if you're sitting on your floor and you're in tears and you're crying and you're looking at your house and you look all around and it's just a mess and the mess is piled so big and so tall that you don't even know where to start and your makeup is still on from yesterday <laughs> and you're in your pajamas and you're like, what is even happening? I just want you to know that God loves you just the same right now as he does at your highest moment in your life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's so amazing? I think about a word that we hear at Ashes of Beauty often. Um, the enemy knows our name and calls us by our sin. And God, the Lord knows our sin, but he still chooses to call us mm -hmm. by name. Yeah. You know, and so you've never been depressed, depressed Jill. Yeah, you've been daughter Jill the whole yeah. time. Amen. And yeah. the, the Lord truly cares about us as his children. And it, Ma Madison just said it earlier, but like I've, I really feel like that gives us a glimpse to understand a little bit about how much mm -hmm. the Lord loves us because we'll never fully grasp the magnitude of that. Yeah. But, um, you know, the relationship between parent and child, like it just gives us a glimpse of exactly how much the, cause it doesn't matter what my child would do. I might be angry or frustrated at him, but I promise I would never love them any less than, yeah. than I do today, you know? And so, um, what, what a gift that is. His love is truly a gift. Yeah. And along those lines of, we talked about how he calls us by our name and not our sin. I, would say during my depression, I'd be like, I'm depressed. And I just heard a sermon recently that said, like, don't say that. Mm -hmm. That is not who you are. It's something you're struggling with, and there's no shame in struggling. So you could say, I'm struggling with depression, but don't say, I am depressed. Yeah. That is not who mm -hmm. you are. My kids joke about that sometimes. I'll be like, man, I'm tired. They'll be like, hi, tired. <laughs> but that's, that's literally that's what good. I thought of yeah, when you yeah. said that. You know, like, you're labeling, you're giving yourself a name of something that you're not. Yeah. I think it's really important to take a second right now to like for them to hear that there is nothing that they've done that he wouldn't still take them. Nothing. There's nothing that he that you've done that he's not still pursuing you and chasing yeah. you. Yeah, that's right. And he is he's pursuing you mm -hmm. like every single person that's hearing this right now. He is pursuing you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he thought of you when we started each of us girls, when we started praying about what we were supposed to say today and, and studying and everything, I believe that he was thinking of you 
as we were studying this, and he wants to give you a special word today, that you're loved, that you're chosen, and that you always will be, no matter what you do, no matter how well you're performing or what anybody says about you. And as I was thinking about the blood today, um, as you kind of give us, Jill gives us an outline. And so I was just thinking about the blood and what I pictured, it was the blood is what tore the veil um, that separated us from God, you know? And so the minute that the Lord shared, that Jesus shed his blood on that cross, it allowed us to become one with him Mm -hmm. and to build a relationship with him. And so if there is if a veil up in your life between you and the Lord, like allow the blood to shed, to tear that veil and to draw you closer to the Lord because he's there and he wants that. He did. He shed his blood for that reason. And that separation, if you're feeling separation, that separation can only be there if you allow it to be there. Um, There's no way that the Lord would separate you. It's only if you're allowing, you know, that separation. He's never going to step away from you. If Mm -hmm. you're feeling a distance, Mm -hmm. it's because maybe you stepped away from him. I want to just touch on um, one last question. What is something that God says about you that's transformed your life? So like an aspect of your identity that you never really knew that was driving you to live a certain way until you discovered the truth. I mean, going back to what I said earlier, so the lie was rejection, right? That I had felt buried down even, I mean, like I said, I didn't realize it till a month or so ago, but the truth is that I am chosen. And if you go back to Ephesians 1, 4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And it keeps going on, but... Whenever I read that, it reminds me that no matter what people, what no matter what people have done to me or things that um, I have done myself, that instead of being rejected, that I'm chosen. That He has a plan for my life, you know. And it it gives you like this sense of I'm kind of on an Esther kick right now. You know, I've read Esther before, but someone told me a few months ago they said you're a queen in His court. And so if you go back and, and you read Esther, it talks about how she came to the king and she was in the king's court and he showed her favor. And that's the same for you. I just like I just feel like you need to know that you're not whatever you've done, but you are a queen in God's eyes. You're a queen in his court. And so you are chosen. And that's something that he's been speaking to me loudly. It's really annoying because I picked chosen. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But well, I have a couple, I have a couple, well, once you realize, like, when, okay, I can play it back to, let's even say, when you're a kid on the play field and you're picking teams and you were the last one picked. Yeah. I mean, to now as an adult, when you're like, you just don't feel like you quite fit in or that you quite measure up to what everybody, trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know? Mm-hmm. And so chosen, so really letting that word sink in that he chose me. Um, I ran, I'm going to share some scripture. So in Deuteronomy 7, 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all of the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. <laughs> and I just, like, when you really think about that, you like, it, it, the world can taint us to make us not believe that. So to sit and meditate on that and really let it grab hold of you is when transformation happens. Mm-hmm. And I also love, love, love um, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. 
This is a little bit of a long one, but it, it, this gets me excited. So, <laughs> Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and, and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so when the enemy tries to come and say um, that you're not wise, you say, well, that's good because he chose the, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he chose me to know, to teach the, uh, the wise, you know what I mean? And he tells you that you're um, weak, then you say, well, that's good because he taught, he's using me to teach, to shame the strong. Sorry, I couldn't get that out. But when you think of it, a lot of times we classify ourselves as lowly, like he knows our thoughts before we think them. So he knows that I'm thinking that I'm foolish and he wants to tell me, no, I chose you. You know, he thinks of me as much as the sand. I mean, think about the sand. When you really truly think about that, I mean, it can trans. It transforms your heart. Yeah. It transforms your life. You yeah. know, and it's not, doesn't mean you're perfect at it every day. That's right. why I think inventory is good. That's mm-hmm. why I think the people around you to tell you no, you're you're the enemy's telling you a lie right now, and you're mm-hmm. believing it. That's crucial. Yeah, I think that leads right into mine. Um, mine is that I am called, and the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine that the gifts and calling on your life is irrevocable. And I like the NLT version; it changes irrevocable. It says it cannot be withdrawn. Um, and although I've always known this, the enemy can try to get in my head, reminding me of my past and telling me that I'm not qualified or cut out for what the Lord has for me. But this verse like has become such an anchor whenever I have those thoughts, I just go back to that because just like we've talked about on the cross, the Lord knew the sins that we were going to commit or the, the, the places we were going to fall. And he had that plan for me. He had that on his mind long before it even played out. And so it doesn't say that they're irrevocable as long as you do everything right. It says they're irrevocable, period. And so God has called me and has this amazing plan for my life. And the parts of my past that I have failed him are the places where I'll allow God to shine through and give him glory for rescuing and redeeming my life. And um, I just wrote, I'm like, so I am called, you are called. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus, you have a calling on your life. And so don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. Yeah, that's good. I made a post today that said the only reason to look back is to learn from your mistakes and give God the glory for what he's done, you know. There's no reason you need to look at your past and say it disqualifies me or it makes me anything because it doesn't. Yeah. You know, mine is that I'm created and I know we all know that. And I, and I want to, I want you to know, I know you know that right now, like every single person listening, you know that you're created. You've heard it since you were probably two years old. We live in the Bible belt. We all went to church and we've heard that we were created. Right. But I really want you to think about it. Okay. I want you to think about the fact that you were created. And I talked about this in my testimony takeover, but he didn't just snap his fingers and there's Jill. He didn't snap his fingers and there's Sarah. He knit me together in my mother's womb. And so my hair texture that I don't like that much, he put it there for a reason. The cellulite on my legs is there for a reason. Every single thing about me, he put with care and intention into exactly who he wanted me to be. And it's the same for you. The freckle on my face, 
you know, every single thing, my short eyelashes, the fact that, you know, my nose is small or my voice is weird or whatever the thing is that I want to pick apart about myself, he knit it into me because he wanted it to be there. Okay. And so I just want to like, I, I had to look at some of these things and ask him to give me a new heart and new eyes for those things. Because I don't know that I'll ever look in the mirror and be like, man, I really love having cellulite on my legs. That's amazing. <laughs> right. But at the same time, like I said this in my testimony, when I was 16% body fat, I had cellulite on my legs. It's not because I have neglected my body that I have that. It's there and it always is and it always will be. So that is something that he wove into my design and I may never love it, but I can find a way to come to terms with the fact that he placed it there. And so every single time I hate it, I say that I hate it, I'm saying that I hate what he created. And I don't really, I feel like that's something we need to repent of. Mm -hmm. If we look in the mirror and we hate the thing that God created, then I think that is something that we need to get on our knees and repent of. And we need to ask him for new eyes to see, to see our bodies the way that he meant to see them. They were never meant to define us, but they are a gift. Mm -hmm. Like my body was never meant to, to make me worth anything. But it is a gift that he's given me, and it's a beautiful gift, and it's a good gift. Our bodies are good. Mm -hmm. They carried our kids. They help us dance. They help us <laughs> walk out the calling that he's placed on our lives. They help us do everything that we're meant to do on this earth, right? And so we have to take care of them. And I think that's going to be a big part mm -hmm. of the next section of our series, right? Mm -hmm. is, is about taking care of this temple, that he's given us, oh, right? No. <laughs> Can you imagine that body you get when you get in heaven, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably isn't going to look anything like you think. You have a really good nose, too. I don't know what you're talking about. I just was pointing out I'm things. I'm just kidding. It is really good, though. I think of, like, a picture, like, say, my kid, um, you know, how they'll bring home a picture of from art class, and... I'm like, oh, what did you draw? Because I'm not really sure, you know. And then whenever they tell me, I'm like, oh, yeah. I would never be like, that looks horrible. Yeah. You know, I would never do that. I would completely crush his heart. And so beauty is truly, it, um, like, he had this picture in mind, and he painted it perfectly in his mind. Yeah. And I feel like, feel like that's like mm -hmm. the Lord. Like, he thought of Jill, and he's like, this is what Jill is going to be. He, she, yeah. he's, she's perfect. Yeah. You know, like, and... And we don't ever, like, we wouldn't ever look out at a sunset over the lake and be like, I wish you would have put more pink in that sunset. <laughs> we just appreciate it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we look at it and we're like, man, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we don't critique it. But when it comes to our body, we do. Why do we do that? You mm -hmm. know, I think, I mean, I know it's because the enemy's whispering things mm -hmm. in our ears. And so I think in this area, we got to put on our armor. Mm -hmm. We got to armor up and we got to say, Satan, you're done. Yeah. You're done telling me that this is what I'm worth mm -hmm. because that's not what God says about me. And now we're going to speak the things that God says about me over ourselves. We're going to silence the lies of the enemy. And we're going to speak truth over ourselves and begin to walk in that identity, that worth that God wants us to walk in. Yeah, that's right? good. All right, ladies. So as we come into swimsuit season and <laughs> short season and everybody's trying on their tank tops, I want you to armor up and I want you to really speak truth over yourself as you're doing this. This is a battle and it's not just a battle in this world. It's a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. And so I want you guys to be ready and be ready with armor on saying that you're going to resist the lies of the enemy and you're going to walk in the truth of who God says you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. 
Well, we love you all. We're so thankful that you listen, that you support us. And listen, if you can like and subscribe to our channel, uh, subscribing is really helpful because if you do, then you'll get a notification every time we release a new episode so that you won't miss anything. But we love you and thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you. We love you. Bye.